We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Soccer Radio, this is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime this evening. That's right, Michael Stewart, or Los Angeles Rams defensive back. It's past Christmas, we're heading towards New Year, and unfortunately, the Rams year is over, at least for now, at least for a while. Mike, how you doing? Hey man, I'm doing well, buddy. Uh, man, big, big year 
all the way around. Had a great holiday season. Just a little disappointed that our lovely Rams are at the stopping point on 2019. Great thing. New decade in 2020. So excited about what's coming ahead. Yeah, they win today for 124. It was an interesting game. Across the board, several injuries later on. You know, it was a, a game that, for the most part, the Rams controlled. Arizona put some moves on a little bit late. But overall, pretty solid game overall, at least for the Rams offensively. Well, let's be honest, at least it was for the passing game. Rushing game, different story. But I don't know, did you see anything in today's game that, that gave you a little bit of confidence going the next year? You know, to be honest, uh, I see a guy, Robert Woods, Cooper Cuff, Whitworth, uh, some other guys, you know, playing hard last game, not a whole lot to. So that having uh, watching that and viewing that and seeing guys that are still playing hard at this time of the year, you know, gives me some some absolute excitement about uh, this offseason. And I think I don't think people really realize it, but, you know, um, Jared Goff, in at least the passing offense, had a nice end to the year overall in those last five games. Not perfect. The Dallas game is an example of that. But, for example, Jared Goff today, we'll get into the numbers here in a minute. Jared Goff sacked one time through uh, 29 for 45, 319, three touchdowns, 107.5 quarterback rating, got to... Um, Got the cup seven times, got the heavy eight times, Robert Woods. Just really solid offensive play. And at least in the passing game, the offensive line did solid in pass protection. Nice performance overall. There's some hope in the passing game. Other issues out there as well. But I don't think folks really realize it. 9-7 and seven equals a third straight winning season. This is the first time the Rams have had three straight winning seasons since... Hold on, let me think about this. 2003, 2002, 1999, 2000, 2001. So it's been darn near 20 years. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, it is what it is. This is the National Football League. And though we would all like to be like the New England Patriots uh, going to deep in the playoffs, Super Bowls pretty much every year. It's just not a reality. And so absolutely for, you know, our Rams to kind of overcome, you know, a lot of injuries this year, a lot of different things that happened. Uh, they made a statement, the broadcasting team uh, today in regards to special teams. And, you know, we were winning some games, a lot of games last year via special teams, you know, field goal unit, things like that. Uh, those things weren't happening this year. So, again, another year, you know, kicks are going in more, you know, less injuries, more plays are being made overall, offensive, defensively, kicking game, uh, and maybe just the fact that we had what is called a cooling off year this year, where now there's not, though expectation be high, new building, absolutely, I get it but not so much like you're automatically going to be in the Super Bowl again. So I think that'll relieve uh, a lot of our Ram Nation from worries of, you know, a lot of guys are now under contract, and obviously we got a few more guys we want to get signed. But I think overall, with everything that's gone on 
and again, you end on a positive note. And again, I looked at guys playing very hard, and even a uh, guy just got in, uh, basically special teamer in the secondary. You know, played well on defense. So, all those things being said, uh, I'm looking forward to the Rams being right back at it next year. So am I. I'm looking forward to everything they can do. I'm not as worried about free agency the offseason as much as others are. I've seen a million and one articles out there about where the Rams are with the salary cap. And my problem with that is, are you reading the actual contracts? Are you reading the numbers before you go out there and say that the Rams are buried? They're not buried. They they have issues with it, but it's workable. And that's what blows my mind. I, I saw, geez, Mike, I think I saw like four or five articles within a matter of two days. I... I'm exaggerating here, but I'm going to say maybe 40,000 articles in the last two months about how bad the Rams' situation is with their salary cap heading into 2020. It's garbage. (laughs) It's absolute garbage. Do they have some problems? Yes. Are they buried? No. And we're going to cover that here in the next couple of weeks because it's just a bald-faced narrative. It's a lie. It's like... It's lazy journalism because you don't actually just just go to spot track or go to over the cap and click on the dead cap numbers and see what the actual numbers are pre six one pre after six one for a trade or release and you're going to see the real numbers on a player and you find that you know what the Rams aren't as bad as people think they are. If they made mistakes, and I think they did make some mistakes, I think it was, like, for example, as much as I like Todd Gurley, I think it was a mistake to sign him long-term. I'll stand on that hill. I'll die on that hill. And I'll die on that hill um, multiple times over. I would even venture to say, and this is a hot take, that that contract is worse than the Brandon Cooks contract. That I can actually understand the the Brandon Cooks contract more due to where the Rams have been with their wide receivers of the last 20 years. Like, when was the last time before Brandon Cooks, when was the last time you had a full deep threat in the receiving core? Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a while. Torrey Holt? Yep, and that was what? When he when he signed that contract in 2018, it had been 11 years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, for the Rams not having that deep guy for so long, and every time they try to draft somebody, I understand completely why they signed the con- that contract with with running backs, different position, different risk factors. You know, the, the Todd Gurley contract, to me, is one they should have made. But in the end, if you look at the numbers, there's more there than what people think there there is. And I think we need to get into that. Overall, the Rams finishing 9-7 and this year, Mike, to me, it's not the season we wanted. I saw, I heard, what was it on the radio broadcast? And I think, I forget who it was that mentioned it. The Rams had a bad season. They didn't have a bad season. It wasn't what we hoped it would be. You know who had a bad season? The Bengals are 2 and 14. That's a bad season. 9 and yeah, 7. That's a very bad season. <laughs> very bad. 9 and 7, you didn't meet expectations, but, you know, given where this franchise has been, given what we saw this team. At times this year, given when the talent is still going to be on the roster no matter what next year, there's still plenty to build around, but you just got to get better. Well, again, I mean, we look at just, you know, uh, 
basically a field goal away here and there against the Niners. You win that game, you win a day. Uh, I forgot who needed to win, who needed to lose, but you give yourself a chance if you win last week, follow up this week with a win. Um, that didn't happen, but yet and still nine and seven, you two games, you know, above uh, five hundred, if you will, per se. And so those things are looking good. The other narrative is, you know, we got a lot of guys that were banged up this year and we'll have those guys back. And, you know, the free agents, uh, I have to go back and look because uh, Weddle and they're they're signed to two year deals, right? Yeah. Weddle Matthews. Weddle Matthews. Uh, obviously, we got to see what's going to happen with Ramsey, but he's still here for a year at least, right? Ramsey's one more year. Uh, they're going to do what they can to sign him long term, and they should. True, but I'm just saying, at least if you look on the outside, obviously we got to figure out what we're going to do with Fowler and uh, uh, my Littleton, other backer, Fowler, Littleton. Littleton. Do you do you cut Matthews? Do you cut Weddle? Do you cut even? I mentioned it, and so laughed at me about it. But the potential of cutting Roby Coleman, and well, he's one of the higher-rated slot corners. Yeah, he is. But you know what? There are other needs besides slot corner. So, do you have somebody you think could step in for Roby Coleman, save the money, to go put him some, put that money somewhere else? If you cut those three guys, Weddle, Matthews, and Roby Coleman, you have about twelve million dollars. A couple of smaller cuts. Maybe you cut Malcolm Brown, which you don't want to. That's good. He's, I've said it for a long time, the guy could start in the league. Uh, then you have more than that. Add that on to what you already have, and you know what? <laughs> there you go. You know, there you go. You have pretty close to the same amount of money you had last year in the salary cap. Unbelievable. Unbelievably. Because if you listen to the media, we don't have anything. Right, but those, you know, I mean, a Roby Coleman, I mean, he's, 4.5. I mean, he's like 2% of the cap. So, you know, a guy like that, you know, obviously they're going to evaluate all these players and see who actually was making plays and who wasn't. And we'll see pretty soon who's going to be back. But, you know, from all intents and purposes, look like Clay Matthews had a pretty bang up year. Uh, had he not been injured, might have even been better than that. Uh, Weddle looked like he played decently. Uh, there were some times where it looks like coverage was a problem, but I think you know that going in with a guy with that many years. But, you know, overall, when I'm looking at just a defense or offense or just the team-wise, you're trying to keep some consistency. So instead of bringing in a whole bunch of new guys, if you're making a run, you know, you have a core that is established and, and are playing at a high level, you know. So I just think you just – Maybe make a tweak here and there. And then, you know, obviously Brandon Cooks was was out a majority of time with that concussion stuff. You know, they're going to have to evaluate what that means going forward. But again, you know, that was our true deep bet. But we could see changing up the offense. And you saw a guy like Robert Woods lighting it up these last couple weeks, given, you know, the ability to just make some changes. So. Yeah, we'll see. Higby, you know, he's grown tremendously, so that money was well worth it. So, 
yeah, we got a lot, I think, to, to, to build on. I've been harping on the Rams not developing the tight ends for years, and now they're finally doing it. I'm right. thrilled about that. I'm, I'm really thrilled about it. And I also look at how this year went to end it positively in terms of the passing offense seeming to figure it out. The running offense is a whole different story. It's a train wreck today. It's been a train wreck for the last few weeks. They don't get a whole lot of push. I believe that can be fixed just as you give that, that group time to get in the freaking gym in the offseason. Really, they need to bulk up and get build some power in there. It just work together more as a unit. They're going to be fine. The front seven defensively concerns me. That's got to be worked on. And can Jared Goff take that next step? Because, you know, look at Jared Goff's last five games. It's He actually finished out nicely, looked a lot better, and maybe he's figuring it out finally. Maybe he's coming around. But we won't know until next year. I want to see him develop more. I, I've been saying it. Here in the last few weeks, I believe his his internal clock's been off a little bit, and I think we will see that if we go back and watch from. We're going to do a film study. We, I've been telling you guys about a film study for a while, though. Yes, we're doing it. It's just slow, with much slower than we thought it would be, but it'll be out. And in the end, what we really have to do is try and just kind of evaluate this as a whole, the draft class, which surprisingly actually the entire draft class contributed the entire roster that took the field even some of the strugglers had their positive moments I think a lot of the stuff that comes out that was you know problems with the team they seem to sort of figure out towards the end it's just too late it's just too late and it's a shame because this is a team that I believe can do a lot of damage. I believe they're better than Seattle right now. Like Seattle's getting beat as we're recording this at halftime. And they're getting beat at home. They're better than Seattle. Seattle fell apart towards the end of the year, got some injuries, so on and so forth. You know the Rams have their injuries that people forgot about. And it's just a shame that this team couldn't figure it out sooner, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's what it's a shame. Mike, it's just... Well, that's the NFL. I mean, that's why you have an offseason, summer, and then you have the season. Everything has to hit, you know, we're going to see a team that has been, you know, running the table with the Patriots, but they somewhat, they lost to Miami today. So now they have to play a wild card game next week, which typically they don't have to do. They get the week off to prepare extra you know, typically, and then they usually only have a two-game run to try to get to the Super Bowl. This year, if they're going to try, they got to go three three weeks in a row. So it'll be interesting to see again, you know, across the league. And obviously, we had super high hopes given what we did or what they did last year in regards to getting to the Super Bowl, figuring that, man, we got a lot of guys coming back. But again, you just can't factor in how much the injury bug can take away or add to what you're trying to do overall. I mean, we even had changes during the middle of the season, you know. So I think with some stability, uh, we'll just be a lot better prepared second year round with guys in the system, especially defensively that they've been in. There's a lot of questions. One one question that came out today was, the you know not. Not today, 
it's been out there for a while now, but really has come up to now that the game is over, is we'll wait for Phillips to be back next year. And honestly, I think if he was coming back next year during the press conference this week, that's what Sean McVay would have said. Sean McVay didn't want to say that. He didn't say it at all. Wade Phillips is, is saying, I've heard the rumors. <laughs> I want to keep coaching. Right, right. He's not saying, I'll be back here next year. John Fossil, with that fake punt today, inside the 20-yard line, like, dude, why are you doing that? You're such a great special teams coach, and, and you did that today. It's, it's bananas to me, and you wonder why he would do that. Why? What are you trying to do? What's the thought process? I heard some saw some post, R. Steve Ribeiro mentioned, man, you know, mentioned about John Fossil not being back next year, and I'm thinking, if anything, the Rams need some continuity in the staff. If you're letting somebody go, it better be because they didn't do the job right throughout the course of their entire bio life, not just because they had a rough year this year, because everybody had a rough year this year. Can you, you know, because they need that continuity. For Wade Phillips, I'm, I'm of the belief that Wade has done a good job, but he's left some games on the table throughout his three years in Los Angeles. A, very, a defense that could be elite some days and be redonkulously awful on other days. And that's even with the different players that the front office gave him. So I just, you know, I just, uh, I, my question would be, though, if you're going to let Wade go and bring in somebody else, who are you going to find that's better than Wade Phillips? Yeah, I don't know, but I've heard a name like Ron Rivera. But yeah, I know but, he's in for a lot of head coaching jobs. I but mean, that's the rumor for yeah, Washington right now, right? Fine. You know what I mean? But yeah. yeah, I don't know who you would bring in given his expertise, his uh, level of the game. And even Sean McVay in a roundabout way said, man, he's been great just talking to him just about how to get through, you know, the day to day of being an NFL coach, you know. But the way that he relates to his players, that's where you get your money when guys are saying, hey, I want to play for Wade Phillips my whole life. You know, Aaron Donald came out and said something to the fact that, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do at the front office, but he's like been the best for me. You know, so uh, that being said, again, he had to deal with a lot of changes. And I'm always uh, I give some guys a little bit of leeway because when you see changes and if you're not the guy being able to make the changes, you have to deal with what changes are forced upon you. You know what I mean? He brought Akeem to leave here, but then Akeem to leave gets traded. Was that a Wade Phillips call? Probably not. You know what I mean? But whatever had to happen for, you know, as they say, making a splash, all those kinds of things. Again, uh, some things were in his control. Some things aren't. You've got to start a couple rookies on defense. You know, you're playing with guys that came here but ended up injured. You know, it, it just was a lot going on with the defense this year. But to still be in the hunt with two games left at the end of the year, you know, that speaks for itself. Yeah, and I think overall the way they just kept pushing it here at the end and even the 49er game where they really should have won that game, by the way. They 
one of the things that really bothered me about the Dallas loss, about the Baltimore loss, character to me, in that they just, to me, they quit. They gave up. And that wasn't really what we saw in these last couple of weeks. And maybe that means some of those leadership issues that I, con- that I was concerned were there, was there, they were gone now. That's what I'm hoping for. And I'm also hoping to see that, I'm hoping that Sean McVay's turned a corner. And what I mean by that is, we have to keep saying it, the guy is 33 years old. He's a human being who's going to make mistakes, yet we treat him like he's he's somebody who should never make a mistake at all. Like he's supposed to be the ultimate coach who who never, ever deals with the fact that he has to grow. Every coach has had to grow. I mean, we've mentioned numerous times, Bill Cowher had his hard years. Bill Belichick had his hard years. All these great coaches who have come through have had their moments. Very few head coaches have come in and been successful right away. It's like we forget that. Like we expect him to be perfect every year and not make mistakes. And it takes time, man. It takes time to become a leader long term. You can come in there and you can rely on your energy and your intelligence to start things off, but that's not going to carry you throughout your entire career. It just becomes a, oh, becomes a stick, right? Hey, you're hitting home runs right now, uh, DC. You got to think about it in the terms of just experiencing experience in general, right? Uh, obviously, the younger you are, I talk to my kids about this all the time. I go, look, young kids of mine, I have a few more years of experience. Regardless of how much you think you know, I have that many more years of experience on you. A guy like Sean McVay typically... At his age, he's getting his first like NFL position job. You know what I mean? A lot of mm-hmm. times in your early 30s, because you're doing the high school thing, the GA thing, you know, maybe the uh, college, you know, position coach. Oh, you get your crack at the NFL, you know, late 20s, early 30s. Not a head coach. So those things years ago, man, if you were in your 40s, that was young. You know, but you saw these guys from the Don Shulas, the Chuck Knowles, uh, you know, yes, they had long tenures, but they weren't like 30 year old head coaches, you know, so and the game is played way different now. So, yeah, you're absolutely uh, correct in that this guy, third year coach, just take that for itself. Uh, And I'm sure now. As a young man, he's going to know how to start getting into guys when they need other motivation, not just, hey, man, you know, rah, rah, come on, man. You know, I looked at some of the times when they'll pan to him and he does a great job with his facial expressions throughout games. But I just look at him and go, I know he's thinking like, what are they doing right now? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what? So. That being the case, man, yeah, there's a lot that goes into just the head coaching job, you know, rallying your coaches, rallying administration, rallying the training crew, you know, making sure, you know, guys got, you know, what they need, you know, do they got the temperature set at the hotel, correct? you know what I mean? It's just a lot of things that go into it, and yeah, I yeah. think he's learned a lot this year. And, you know, I'll never forget that look he had in his face when that interception was thrown in the end zone in the Super Bowl. Right. And this the stunned look. I just remember the stunned look he had as as the game winning drive for New England. 
that just kind of put the nail in it. You could tell it was a guy who was shell-shocked that he had been out skiing. And I think it happens to every coach, especially the ones who have been successful across the board when they were so confident in what they did and they realized it didn't work. And it's going to happen to everybody. It doesn't matter if it's the worst coach on earth. You're going to have a game plan one day where you think this is it. This is the one that's going to beat this guy. And it falls flat in his face. And that's what happened on that day. You could tell he was just shell-shocked. And I'm not going to judge him for that because we've all been there. We've all had a plan. It would be somewhere in life. It was, for me, in the, in the classroom, a lesson plan or for a project or, heck, for putting together a podcast. I've had some podcasts that I've put together that have been, I can look back and go, man, that wasn't a good show. I tried my best, but this that plan didn't work this time. The, the, the talking points for that, that I wanted to get through and, and go over didn't work out. Everybody has a bad day in the office. And people need to lay off the guy a bit and, and give him a chance to come back from it and see what he's made of next year. I'm, I think in the end what we'll learn is he'll become a better leader. He'll become a better game manager. And he'll become a better head coach. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I look at just even today. I mean, we were talking last week, you know, why why'd they go away from this? You know, looking at the game today, it looked like he just said, you know, forget it. I'm running this play action play no matter what that we don't really have a running game popping. And he kept running it because it just seems like Jared Goff is able to whatever, put the ball out, fake air, whatever. And then he's able to take that deeper drop and deliver, you know, better throws. You know, there wasn't a real running game to keep running the play action, play action plays. But he kept running them because that kind of was working. That seems to play in the strength of him and, you know, hitting underneath routes with, you know, uh, Woods and Higby and things like that. Quick screens with Robert Woods as well. Uh, so it just looks like he said, you know, this is going to be a game. I'm going to go with what's working. I don't really care. And so those type of things take time. And then being able to get it in the win column because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So let's go over this game real quick. But first thing we we want to do is go ahead and get a shout out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, who's been with us now for an awful long time. If you get a chance, go check out the book. It covers the 1950s Rams from 1953 to 1957. The book is Hollywood Team, Grit Glam of the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It covers the story of Jim's dad, John, who's offensive lineman for the team. Between those years was a guy in the military beforehand, and then afterwards comes over a place with the Rams. And, um, during an era where you had a bunch of different characters, including Elroy Chrysler Hirsch, Tom Fears, Les Richter. Check it out, guys. If you haven't already, it needs to happen. It really kind of gets you knee-deep in what the Rams are about as they became part of the Hollywood culture in the 1950s. Okay? You can find the book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. You can find it both in paperback. You can find it uh, versus electronically. And you can find it, of course, on your good old hardback. Okay, I got the hardback because I'm special. Anyways, check it out. Hollywoodsteam, Greek Glam, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. It's worth your time and also goes to a great cause in Homeboy Industries. All right, also our podcast is available anywhere. Podcasts can be found Apple Music, all those places. We're still looking for that wonderful five-star review. Please hook us up. We did a reading a couple weeks ago, I believe, with um, recent feedback. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and do it. But 
All you got to do is go over to Apple Music, leave that five-star review, send us a screenshot via email at ransom1945 at gmail.com, and, of course, leave your name there. That way we know who is actually entered, and we got you covered, okay? So let's get 200 five-star reviews. That jersey's going out. I think we covered it all. You want to cover stats tonight? Let me cover them. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm right here. <laughs> I was saying, did you, did you want to cover stats? You want me to cover them? Yeah, I'll take it. You got it. Go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go with. I will. Let's go with the team stat first. Uh, first downs, 25 with the Rams, 22 for the Cardinals. Uh, we had 17 first downs at 13. Uh, third down efficiency was pretty good. We were 11 of 18. Cardinals 5 of 19. Total yards. 424 for the Rams, 395 uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, rushing yards, we had 113, Cardinals 71. Uh, net passing yards, 311, 324. Uh, Cardinals had 324. We had a 311. Golf was 29 of 45 for 6.8 average. Uh, Young Murray was 27 of 43 for 7.4, but he was also sacked. Uh, three times, uh, lost two interceptions, two fumbles. Uh, we had a punt average of 50, uh, 39, uh, yards and, uh, Cardinals had 50, uh, yards punting eight penalties for the Cardinals, 10 for ours. Uh, we had 91 penalty yards pretty much on the team side in regards to, you know, individuals, uh, Kyler Murray, was 82% uh, QB rating, again, 26 of 42, 327 yards uh, by way of pass. Brett Hundley got in there late for one. Again, uh, golf was 29 of 45. He had a 107 uh, QBR rushing. Was Kenyon Drake had for the Cardinals 12 uh, for 60. Their big low guy, our low guy was Todd Kirk Gurley, 20 for 68. Still would have liked to see him get a few more touches. Malcolm Brown had nine for 26. And receiving their big guy for today, two people, uh, Demiria Bird, Bird, excuse me, seven receptions uh, for 76 yards. Dan Arnold, four for 76. Uh, Fitzgerald got on the board, four for 45. Uh, our big guy was Cooper Cup, seven for ninety nine. They could have got him one more yard. Uh, Tyler Higby, <laughs> eight for eighty four. Robert Woods, uh, seven for sixty seven. So you know a good crew. Uh, even Brandon Woods on the clock, uh, three for forty. And so uh, kicking game, one field goal for uh, Zane Gonzalez uh, made. And you know we were one of two. Uh, with Greg Zerline again, special teams. We need to kind of pick it up there. So. Uh, Overall, that's pretty much it on the individuals. Uh, defensively, Patrick Peterson led them somewhat. Uh, Jordan Hicks had 13 tackles. Joe Walker, 11. Patrick Peterson, 7. Uh, our big leaders was Eric Weddle. He had 7 total, 6 solo. Uh, Taylor Rapp came in there at number 6 tackles, 5 solo. And then we had a mixture uh, throughout the rest of the guys. There you go. Just one small correction. I think you kind of misread it. It was a one sack on the Cardinals for three yards loss. I think just got you the number You're right. And um, I think overall, what I want to ask you is, 
what do you take from those numbers? What, what, what do you learn from this game? Man, I, I look at uh, a lot more consistent. So that was awesome to see. Uh, looked like we were able to stay, sustain drives and then actually put the ball in the end zone, which was a difference in the game uh, at the end. They were able to take the, we were able to take the turnovers and turn them into points, which is always a positive. And just ending on a win at the end of the season, it's just it just feels better going into the off season. One question I have for you because you've been there and done that. Um, mostly, I'm sorry to say it. I'm really sorry to say it. Mostly on losing clubs, unfortunately. But yeah, when you did get the win at the end of the year for you, what did it mean going the offseason? Was it as effective as we would like to believe it is, or was it a mixed bag? What did it really do for the organization? No, it, it definitely is a, you know, you're going out on a high note. Obviously, you're not making playoffs, so you don't have a, another week. Uh, the only thing, as I said before, with playoffs, playoffs are good if you actually get to the big dance. If you go one more week and lose, it's like, okay, we got to practice three more days than the guys who got sent home last week. So unless you go deep into the playoffs, it's kind of like, you know, a little bit of whatever, if you will. But the fact is you're going into offseason on a positive note. Is just a lot better than a negative. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was just kind of wondering, you know, that how does it affect an organization's morale, mentality? Do they, you know, is it, I mean, is it just the fact that it is mental? Hey, yeah, uh, <laughs> we got the <laughs> the off season. We're nine and seven now. We're on the right path. Or is it more like, okay, fine, we we can mark it down. Winning season, good. We move forward. I mean, is it how? How much of a difference well, is that because I'm trying to understand? Well, you have to remember uh, a guy like Les Snead and coaches, scouts, they're all evaluating a game like this maybe even more heavily than one in the middle of the year because they want to see how hard a guy is going to play when it seemingly is nothing on the line. Oh, wow, this guy's playing harder than he was two weeks ago. Uh, is he playing for his contract? I don't know. But they're going to look at that tape differently from a win than if it's a loss. You know what I mean? So that's all positive. Now, you bring up a great point And, well, what does it really mean? Well, it doesn't mean a whole lot if you come back and by February, you know, half your guys on defense are no longer there. Half your guys on offense are no longer there. Then it's going to be like, okay, well, it seems like we're starting over. But I think with – I feel with the new stadium, with everything that's happened, now you have uh, Coach McVay. You got through third year. Oh, it looked like it was a slump. Well, now you get to bounce back from that, and there's a learning curve that goes into being a long-time established head coach and the great ones – who have been at the helm of an organization for a number of years, they haven't just had a stellar year, year in and year out. You know, we look at a guy like Mike Thompson with the Steelers, a young coach at the time when he got hired, had some good success early years. Last couple years haven't been so well, but he even took this year and was able to somewhat battle back and do some things, you know, winning with some young guys, things like that. So 
it gives us pause, a great confidence, gives me great confidence to believe that a coach McVay, you know, watching him coach as hard down the stretch uh, today as he was early on when it was seemed like nothing. That says a lot for an individual. I think going down the line, the game has significance also just – Think back, uh, and that pause. I'm um, that pauses me really kind of reflecting here. This franchise was so bad for so long, and it does matter that it's three straight years without a losing season, three straight years finishing above 500 because this team was horrible going all the way back to 2004. This Eight and eight was the year that you're making playoffs in 2005, 2006, 2007. It's just, it, it does mean something. There's value there in the fact that, okay, you're still on that trend. You're above that. You still have some things to fix. But guess what? Hey, uh, we're in a better position than we than we were before, even at nine and seven. So let's just keep going, push forward. And develop these players. Can you imagine coming off that Super Bowl and then dropping down to a seven nine or worse? What our attitude would be going in the offseason right now? Right. I mean, you know, that's the flip side of it, right? I mean, just just dropping down and and I mean, even eight and eight. If you lost the Cardinals today in that game, that would have been rough. But. Going down seven nine or lower, I like oh my gosh, seriously, it's just right back to the olden days where, you know, we had two years and now we're about we're off the crap. And I'm looking at the way the guys played down the stretch, mostly good football, especially where you wanted to see improvements. I'm okay. I'm not saying that the problems are solved. I'm saying the problems are solvable. And it does matter. It does. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So moving forward here, what are some of the things that you, if you were to come up with, and we'll, we'll ask one of these questions for the New Year's, the big cast-wide New Year's podcast that I've been planning here. But I just want to kind of give you a little statement. I want to ask you, if you were the Swami with a genie in front of you, okay, and you were going to make the call, what were three predictions you would make for the Rams in this offseason? What are they going to do? If I were to just off the top of my head, uh, there's probably going to be some movement at the running back position. Hot take. Uh, there's just something, there's something going on, you know, now I know they can't move the contract and things like that, but it just seems like there's going to be a difference in the backfield. Uh, secondly, they're going to have to settle defensively who's going to be able to now absolutely help Aaron Donald, you know, get freed up a little bit more. They're going to have to, you know, figure that part out. And then the bigger thing is they're going to now have to decide, you know, is Cooper Cup now going to be another guy that they extend out his contract, given that it seemed like he's had a solid year coming off an injury. I think they have some time for Cobb at least. Some time. 
But it's coming soon. It's coming real soon. I, I, I'm really intrigued, though, by your look at the running back position. Are you trying to say they're going to trade? Trade Gurley? I'm just saying, even looking at him today, though he seemed like he had uh, a little bit better game, he showed some flashes, but I saw, you know, towards the end of the game, uh, he ran through and then he, he got tackled and it was almost like, and I don't, you know, last game, obviously you're not trying to leave out injured, but, you know, you want to see a guy, you know, playing, running hard the whole time. So, I don't know. It just it just seems like, and and maybe it's just because of the year it's been, but it just seems like there's fun something fundamentally wrong, you know, in thinking, drive, you know, or if he's, you know, feeling the wear and tear on his own body. It it just seems like something has been amiss all season with 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 that. Uh, I don't know. I just I'm used to seeing. You know, a QB and their running back at some point in time in the game talk to each other. It doesn't seem like that happens with him and, and Mr. Goff. So you're still on the the belief that the relationship between Goff and and, and Gurley is not there. Yeah. Now it could just be you know uh, personalities. You know. Uh, just a little bit of time of being around Todd. He just seems like a quiet guy. Uh, Jeff seems much the same. So that sure. could be the situation. But you figure these guys have been teammates day one, right? Both young, both coming in with a lot of pressure put on them, thrown into a situation, you know, around now back in L.A. and, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, golf being somewhat, you know, Bay Area guy, Cal, and now he's on the team. Gurley, obviously coming off an injury, worked his way back and lead the league, gets a big payday. You know, it would seem like they would have a little more camaraderie just because they've been thrust into the same fishbowl, if you will. It just doesn't seem like they have that, you know, that you see in some of these other uh, quarterback running back tandems. Gotcha. And I, I will look at Todd Gurley's numbers here in terms of his – and we're going to go over these again, folks. If you missed this podcast or if you don't understand completely, maybe I don't go through enough. We're going to go knee-deep in this stuff a little bit later in the year. But looking at Todd Gurley's contract for next year, if the Rams want to move him, one of the things would be tough because they didn't use him enough. And I don't think that it was something that would really worked out well for them in terms of the year. His market, I don't think, will be very good. It'll be really difficult to move him. But if they want to move him, if they release him prior to June 1st, they're going to pay uh, a hefty thing. Their debt cap next year will be $25.65 million next year. They'll actually lose $8.4 million on the cap by, by releasing him. If they trade him, their dead cap will go from 25.6 down to 12.6. They would save 4.6 on the cap if they trade them pre-6-1. Post-June 1st, the dead cap would go like this. It would be a 17.25 um, 
cap hit, basically his salary, for 2020, but then also in 2021, it would be an $8.4 million. That's if they release him. And if they find a trade for him, this is what's interesting. If they find a trade for him post-June 1st next year, it'll be a $4.2 million cap hit for 2020. But a 8.4 in 2021 added on as well, they'll save 13 towards their cap in 2020. So they can find money in the short term, they'll pay for it in 2021. So a strategy for the Rams could be we go, we we've we move some people and try and stock up in 2020, but we're gonna pay in dead cap money in 2021. They're gonna pay they're gonna pay the piper one way or the other. They're either gonna pay by having players who are overpaid in the field, if right. worst case scenario. Or they're going to release somebody in 2020, release trade for 2020 for a 2020 hit or a 2021 hit, or they can wait until after 2021, and that's when their their real big potential outs are. Like the, the potential out for Gurley is 2022, the offseason then. So basically, two more years, two more years of Gurley as he is, and that's when they're out would be. Right, but you got to factor in: is the team going to win? With Gurley or without, you know what I mean? So those are the things that, that the powers that be will be talking about starting probably tomorrow on, okay, they're going to evaluate the season. They're going to evaluate position by position on down. They're going to have to determine is Gurley, is golf, are they long-term solution? You know what I mean? Because now at the end of the day, you're going to be have to decide wins and losses are these guys helping us win more or lose more or is it a combination do we rack this up as an off year is there something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about that they just kind of kept a a good lid on i don't know but you know it'll be interesting to see just like kyle kuzma's trainer uh tweeting about lebron james about, you know, call a spade a spade and all this kind of stuff, whatever they're talking about. It'll be interesting to see what shows up Twitter world, uh, Instagram world in the next couple of weeks in regards to, you know, guys get away from stuff and someone asks them a question. Next thing you know, we may find out something that we've just been speculating on. But I mean, honestly, that's on the Rams, though. Quite frankly, Rams, if I'm the Rams, like we've, we've talked about before, I would never even put Todd Gurley in front of Mike. Quite frankly, he'll say anything, and he's so he's so short in how he says it. It can be taken any way humanly possible. So right. why do it? Why, why right. risk that? That's kind of on the Rams. Well, it's, like, it's not kind of it is on the Rams. <laughs> it's, it is on the Rams. Yeah. So I mean, just I would have let him go a long time ago in terms of don't don't put him in front of Mike. Why would you do that? Just. He's just don't, but we've talked about that before. This is where my limitations in thinking, my limitations in thinking are, listen, you have a core of guys in Aaron Donald who will still be relatively young. Not He won't be a spring chicken after 2021, but he'll, he'll be relatively young at that point. Jared Goff will at better be at that point fully developed, right? You... 
will have the ability to push people off for minimal dead cat punishment in 2020-2021. So basically suck up 2020-2021, try and win as best you can, and don't mess with dead cat money out much. That's my view on him, but man, I'm not, I don't have the creative mind that, say, Kevin DeMoff has with the books in the back. Because I think he's the one that's a contract, don't forget. He's the one that is able to, to really Jimmy rig stuff up, and he's been very good at it over the years. I look at how the dead cat money works, and I'm just thinking you can either leave it alone and just, just take your medicine right now. And sign who you can, keep who you can, develop. That should be the, what the Rams are really doing, is developing. We mentioned that, that the Rams are able to get contributions on the team from all other 2019 draft picks. That's a big deal. That's very rare. That's a good sign. Keep developing. And a lot of those problems will work themselves out. They're all going to be cheap. I mean, cheap for the standard of, of the NFL. Cheap labor. Or do you... You know, you gut some of these guys whose contracts aren't working the way it wanted to work to be able to go out there and get that guy you think will put you over top. They're going to pay sooner or later. How are you going to pay? Well, that's why I think it goes back to your earlier point in regards to team chemistry. How do you keep that? Do we take a guy out who's maybe not so good for team chemistry, bring a new guy in, or do we get a guy who's here to adhere to the team chemistry and philosophy that we have. So, I mean, overall, I mean, it it looks like, you know, the guys really love playing with each other, for each other, uh, those type of things. I just think that, uh, and maybe this is my bias, having been on the team when the whole Eric Dickerson trade went down and kind of the dynamics between uh, Eric and management and, you know, Jim being kind of the guy they were – maybe making the team leader, if you will, uh, Jim Everett. So my thing is, when it comes down to overall team, the Ram have, they have a history of how they've done things when it comes down to team versus individual. And so uh, you saw a guy like the bus that came in, he was going to be, you know, not really panning out thought his career was over oh no it wasn't he just needed to get into a new environment pittsburgh and now he's hall of famer so that was jerome bettis and then you know you saw when marshall falk came from indianapolis you know and he's like ah comes to the rams and now we got the the greatest show on turf you know with the additional couple of other guys and a good run at quarterback and those whole things you know things just hit so to me it just looks like the rams have everything we need Maybe a change here, a change there. I don't see wholesale, but I just know from experience, if there are some underlying disagreements, disalignment with QB running back, then they're going to make a move, and typically it's not the quarterback. Well, they can. The quarterback is his his dead bunnies. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> want to go there. You're married exactly. to Jared Goff. You are married to him. No matter how you frame it. I know that Tommy's real big on trying to get rid of him, but you can't. You can't. It is not happening. Jared Goff, 
just real quick, and it's time for us to go, guys, but I just want to throw this out there. Jared Goff's dead money for next year, just to really put this out there for you. And we'll get into more later. But Jared Goff's money for next year contract-wise, if you release him prior to June 1st, your dead cap money is $51 million and change. You will lose $15 million to the cap by releasing him. Yes, sir. If you trade him pre-6-1, you're going to get a $20 million cap hit for your dead cap. You'll save 16 mil, but you're still going to have a 20 million hit. So you're still going to be hurting. Post 6-1 release, your dead cap is split between 36 going to 2020 and 15 million more going to 2021. The only thing they may want to try and do is a trade after June 1st, which would be a $5 million dead cap hit, but a $15 million dead cap hit for 2021. So you can see a strategy forming here. You may try and get people on board for next year, but in 2021, you'd have a huge dead cap. Yeah, if you try to trade, you know, Goff and and Gurley, let's just say it's not going to happen, man. That's too much weight. You're yeah, you got Goff. You're 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 married to Goff. That's just way too so, much weight. Right, and so uh, I'm I'm assuming they're going to have some meetings of the mind and off season, and they'll figure out how to get it worked out. Because again, there's just too much money invested in those two positions to just say we're going to get rid of one or both, you know what I mean? They're just, yeah. Yeah, their way out for golf is probably, at least according to spot track, is 2023. If they want out. But hopefully by then, we're not talking about that. Hopefully by then, golf figured it out. And look, again, it looked like he was late in the year. Fingers crossed. The guy has elite skills in some areas, and some areas he has to work on. We'll find out. Fingers crossed. Any final thoughts for us today, Michael? Man, just an overall man. Happy holidays to all all the fans and folks that that uh, join us on the pod and send in your great comments. Man, really appreciate all the support and uh, man, just enjoy this new year and the, this decade's ended on a somewhat positive note for our Rams. And man, looking forward to the new decade, twenty twenty. All right, folks. On my end, uh, off season ahead of lots of drama. That's my prediction. I asked him for three. I'm only giving one. Drama. Lots of drama. Happy New Year. We'll be here for a big, big roundtable discussion for the New Year podcast. As many of the staff members as we can will be here to talk about the Rams year, about where I think the Rams are going. Even Mike will show up for the big one. I'm, Mike's committed, right? You're, yes. You're right. Okay. Yes. So tomorrow night, we will be recording to Monday night. Hopefully, we'll have it out for New Year's itself and get your thoughts on where the Rams are going in 2020. Okay, folks. Time for all the all the the normal stuff now. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find us on Twitter at Talk Rams. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Mike at one Duke 23 Don't forget we're available anywhere podcasts can be found. If you want to sponsor us, we need them. 
Give us a, a sense of voicemail at 657-665-453. You can also reach us via email at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. All that said, Rams win 31-24. They finish 9-7, third straight winning season. On to next year. Here we go. We're out of here. Peace. We're out. Peace. can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.